Good morning. I love first day of Bible study. Who can say woohoo? Woohoo! Awesome. So excited to study this amazing uh, little book called Titus. And if you're new to Bible study, please open your Bible to, to the book of Titus. Uh, we need to be Bible girls. I love to hear those pages opening and looking at the words because this is what God says. And um, I've been turning to it, and uh, some of the pages around it are kind of worn. I keep turning to Titus. And if you want to find Titus, it's just one page, really, one page in the spec. And just look for the T's. All the T's are in one place. So First and Second Thessalonians, and then First and Second Timothy, and then voila, Titus. There you go. So, um, so uh, what is Titus? Um, one, one day when I was w- turning to it, I, I, I looked at it, realizing that we would spend eight weeks there, and um, I held up the little page, and um, I go, "It's just one little page. It's, it's just." One little page. (laughs) And uh, some of you that are new or maybe haven't thought about it, what is a Titus? What is a Titus? And what's this about? And why would we study it? Spending eight weeks, why is that important? And it's very important, I believe, especially right now. Right now. What we read in this book of Titus is first-generation Christianity. Hot off the press. And you know what? You got to do it right when you're coming, laying the foundation. I built a, um, I had a bathroom built onto our house a couple years ago, and it was a process. And I thought, well, just get to it, guys. I mean, just build that thing. But you know what? The under behind, all the preparation, all the digging, all the making the forms, all the pouring of the cement had to come first had to come first. And you didn't pour the cement until the electricity and the plumbing and everything was in that cement because then it was set. And so it is with our Christian lives. We must have that firm foundation. We must know what our, our life in Christ is about. And um, I, I would like to give a little bit of my testimony because in my generation, truthfully, we were, we were doing it again. I mean, uh, by the time I came along in life, uh, Christianity was pretty, um, I don't want to offend anybody, but it was a boring, I mean, really, to a a teenager like me when I was 16, 17, 18, uh, I had no interest in dressing up and sitting down somewhere, (laughs) not, and um, and then our all hell broke out in our gener- generation. Um, in 1965, um, I had never even heard of drugs. I didn't know what drugs was. And by 1969, some of my friends had died from drugs. That quick. Along with, with going to funerals of my high school friends um, that had died in Vietnam. I, I'd never gone through a war. I mean, it was just like upside down, and these, these big questions were released in our society, like, what is the meaning of life? What's the meaning of your life? Who is God? What happens when you die? I mean, they, those were big things. And, um, 
And I became very lost in the questions, not finding any answers. Then someone shared the gospel with me. Hallelujah. Uh, In fact, two people shared the gospel with me. And um, it was just too good to be true, but it was too good to resist. And I want to say to all of us this morning, share the gospel. Share the gospel. We are living in a very upside-down time. The, the, uh, what's right uh, is called wrong right now. What's up is called down. Um, it, it's just crazy. Um, my husband and I were able to also experience first-generation Christianity in, in Russia. And uh, we, we, we were going to this church, and um, the Iron Curtain fell, and Pastor Chuck asked uh, my husband, George, to start taking teams. First team to plant a church, Calvary Chapel in Russia, was from Calvary Chapel Vista. Woo-hoo! Amen! And it was like an avalanche. I mean, it was like holy fire. I mean, you took a, bi- a box of Bibles um, to a park, and you could get trampled. The Russians were hungry because they had been stolen. They had been shut out from a vibrant faith in Christ. Well, we experienced first-generation Christianity. And now the, the Christians that came to the Lord when they were teens, now they're pastors and leaders. And you know what? All hell is breaking out again. Today, they have closed the border. They're closing the borders because they are demanding that almost every um, man of age uh, be enlisted in this awful war, this awful war. Even our pastors, even those that are 50 and 60, will be called to the front, they're saying. And they're going with no equipment, and and it's like us being asked to go at war against Arizona. But God is doing a great work. God is doing, every morning at 8 o'clock, we have a prayer meeting with Russians, And we stormed the gates of heaven. And and that's the way it ought to be. And and so as we look at this book, it is very important. How did this church start? How did it start? Uh, Rob shared that last night. And I I really encourage everyone to go online and, and watch Rob's message. He spoke with passion and purpose. And it was glorious. Well, he shared that um, on, on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, remember Jesus had asked them to uh, linger and wait for the promise of the Father. And they did and lingered and, and they were together in one place and then an avalanche of the Holy Spirit just filled them. And they spoke with boldness. And Peter, who had, who had really copped out in standing up for Jesus, uh, during the crucifixion, oh, that boldness came on Peter, and he just preached the gospel, and, and really so many people came to the Lord. It was a revival, and that very day, there were people from Crete, all the way from this little island in the middle of, of the Mediterranean, had come to, to Jerusalem, because people are always hungry. They're always hungry. And they had come that day, and God just met them where they were, and then they went back home. And, and then how did the church start? Maybe they went back home, and, and maybe a, a group of them said, it's horrible here. No one wants to listen to us. We need, we, we need to, to, to have somebody. Can somebody come? And they got on their knees and, 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 um, and started praying um, because um, in Acts 16, um, Paul 
Paul had a dream one night, and a man from Macedonia pleaded with him, come over to help us. Crete is in Macedonia. Greece is and Bulgaria, but Crete. And maybe that man that came to the Lord in, um, in Pentecost went back home, started a prayer meeting, and Paul, the great disciple, went there, and a church was birthed. Never underestimate what God will do when you cry out to him for something that's important and deep, whether it's for your kids, for somebody else, for the salvation of your husband. You get on your knees, and God hears, and God will send somebody. Maybe it'll be you. But um, so here we are in this first-generation Christianity. So I gave you my testimony. I just have to give you a speck more because it really relates to what's being going, where we're going to learn in this gorgeous book in, um, in Titus. Again, turn to it. Just going to read a few verses because uh, we're going to back up and they will, we'll just go chunk by chunk for eight weeks and really dig deep. But it starts out, Paul is writing this letter. He's a bondservant to God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. That's the essence. And you shall know the truth and it'll change you. You will know the truth, it'll set you free. You'll know the truth, and you'll be conformed to his image. And, and as individuals, that ought to be happening individually and progressively. And then we're together. We're multiplying that. And this, this letter just lays it out so completely. Back to my testimony. After I came to the Lord, I eventually married my husband, and his testimony was that um, he resisted the gospel for quite a while, and then his friend um, witnessed to somebody else, and he was listening, and then his friend asked that man if he wanted to accept the Christ, and the man said no, and my husband said, well, I do, and, and his friend said, no, you don't, and George said, yes, I do, and he said, no, you don't, finally convinced his friend to do this, the sinner's prayer with him. Uh, they were staying at a friend's house. George's friend went to sleep. George read his Bible all night. And he was kind of a bad guy. I won't go into details, but he wasn't living a good life. And he read it all night. He woke up. Uh, the ne- well, he woke his friends up the next morning. He said, this is the greatest book I've ever read. He'd never read a book before, but it was the greatest <laughs> book he'd ever read. And he said, I know what we need to do. We need, I've got some drugs, and we should sell these drugs and buy Bibles and then give them out because it's so great. And they explained to him that's not really the, the way it goes. But transformation, that should be happening. And um, so later we married, and um, there was these Christian houses where um, where that, that, that he was a pastor of one, and um, they would go in the streets and just gather hitchhikers and kids on the street and bring them home for dinner and then share the gospel, and tons of them were coming to Christ. 
And um, so after, after we got married, then I was kind of the mama of, of those group of kids. And I was 20, and, and uh, there was like 30 that lived with us. <laughs> it's great fun. <laughs> but um, so, so I remember um, uh, the two stories are really important. Uh, one is that uh, one night we decided to go to a, a church in t- in, that was just a few blocks away because we didn't have a van big en- enough to go to Calvary Costa Mesa. And uh, so we went to this big, big church. I won't name the name. Um, and uh, the kids were fresh off the streets. I mean, boys with long hair, tattoos, ragged jeans. I mean, in those days, you wore out your jeans. You didn't buy them ragged. You wore out your jeans. <laughs> And um, so we had like 30 of them. We walk in the church, and, and the people looked at us like we had just drug in dead cats. <laughs> I kid you not. I mean, they did not want us to, to come. And we didn't want to go again either. We never went back, you know, and, and, and because you, you needed to dress up in those days. To, to look like a Christian. And, um, but m- a few months later, we went to another little church, and this was a little church, and it was testimony night. And um, people told their testimony, and, and it was just glorious. We loved it. And, and they didn't seem shocked by all the people we brought. Um, and the, then at the end, this, this old man stood up, and he was kind of leaning on his cane, shaking. But his eyes were just like glowing with the sweetest light. And he looked at each one of these faces, and some were like two, old, two days old in the Lord, two months old in the Lord. He just looked at us all, and he said, I'm here to tell you that I've been walking with Jesus for 70 years. And then he smiled a smile so sweet, and he said, Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And I looked at him, and he was old enough to have gone through World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, maybe, maybe one of his sons got, got killed. His wife wasn't with him. I mean, he must have faced some hard times. But all that I saw on his face was sweetness and grace. And I tell you, child of God, I wanted it. I wanted what he had. And for the rest of my life, truly, you know, and I know I fail. And I know you fail, but that's what people are hungry for. They are hungry to know a God that will get them through. They are hungry to see it lived out in real life. They are hungry, child of God, for you to tell them. I ordered, I I wear these wristbands um, all the time. I usually just wear two. Today I have Three um, says Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven through thirteen. Does anybody know what that says? It's God speaking. He says, "I know the plans that I have for you, and they are good, 
and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. And then you will call upon me and I will listen to you, God says. And I just love it because I, truthfully, I have some hard things I'm facing right now, some struggles, some dilemmas. And sometimes I just go like that, Lord, just remind me of that again. And I was in Costco uh, a little while ago, and I had two on, and, and somebody was helping me at the glassing, glasses desk. And then she looked down at my wrist, and she said, that's my favorite scripture. You know what I did? said, you want it? And I put it right on her wrist, and she started crying. She said, that's my favorite verse. And she said, you cannot believe how much I needed it today. The world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. And what is the church? Jesus said that we're the city set on a hill. Let your light so shine that they will see your good works and glorify this great awesome God in heaven. He wants to shine through us. And then he said, you're the light of the world. You are ordinary you. You know, I know some of you saying, you don't look at me. I'm, I'm not too shiny today. I get that. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because who isn't kind of dingy sometimes? And, and I, I would have loved to have read to you Romans 12. Um, about the body of Christ and the gifts of the Spirit. But it all begins with this, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, I beseech you, Paul said, by the mercies of God, do this first. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Yes, ordinary you, he wants you. And be... Don't be conformed to this world. If you're watching too much news, you know what? It's not good for you right now. It's not good for you. I start talking, when I start talking to the TV and the radio, I need to turn it off. Because I'm not talking pretty. That's right. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's God's word. He's going to set that standard how we live, how we operate in church. And when people walk in that door, when people walk in that door, they need to feel safe. They need to feel accepted by the beloved. And in the city of Crete, it was a, it was a vicious city. It was like Las Vegas and San Francisco put together. It was wealthy. There was power. There was Roman soldiers. It was complicated politically. It was kind of a mess. Welcome to our world, Right? And so this church had to be right. It had to be set in order. And truthfully, it had to be all hands on deck. All hands on deck. The discussion of the body of Christ says every part is needed. You know, if I lost a finger, and my grandfather had lost a finger. He only had four on this hand. And he could get by. But I'm telling you that that finger didn't thrive. And, and that happens, I see, with Christians. Sometimes they drift away. 
from the body of Christ. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. And we need to be together for purpose, to encourage each other, but also to be the mamas, to be the brothers and sisters, to be the aunts and the uncles of the kids in Sunday school and the teenagers growing up in this church. Life is hard for a teenager. Who will say amen to that? Amen. So... With all of that, I can't wait till we dig in. We're going to go uh, piece by piece with, a, with the men, what their role, and what the women's role is. That's going to be beautiful for us. It's a high calling. It's a beautiful calling. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be known as a woman of God. It, it's, a, it's such an honor and if we ask the Lord to make us who, who he wants us to be, to empower us by his Holy Spirit to supernaturally give us superpowers, you know what superpowers are? The fruit of the Holy Spirit are superpowers. Do you know kindness in this broken world? That's a superpower. Peace, joy, the joy of the Lord, to be about his business in his empowerment. If we ask him to do that in our lives, you know what he's going to say? I'm busy. Nah, not you. He's going to say, so glad you ask. So as we start this wonderful journey, and again, I can't wait I can't wait uh, for you guys to be in your groups. Uh, I had the privilege of having the, the leaders at my house a few weeks ago. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've hardly ever seen a sweeter group of women. Honest. To, honest. They're just precious. You're going lo- to love them and you're going to be loved by them. So let's pray. And as we pray... Could we hold out our hands? Because God does have a hog calling for us, ordinary us in this broken world. And God, we want to be equipped. We want to be trained. We want to get the big picture. Lord, we just, we call out to you with all of our heart. And God, I, I, I just know as I've been influenced in such dramatic ways, by godly women, Elizabeth Elliot, Kay Smith, others that I would name their names, but you wouldn't know them, who made such an impact on me. And some of them are, are in this room, actually. Lord, we pray, God, that you would teach us, train us, equip us, empower us. Help us, fire us up. And light us up to shine for you. And to make this place um, the safest place on the planet for others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. God bless you.